You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. We're checking in on Matt Williamson's growing spreadsheet, his off-season spreadsheet that uh, I, I love checking in on from time <laughs> to time because there's always different things happening. We're going to look at the defensive side of the ball today, personnel groupings. Uh, by team in 2020 to learn about uh, what kind of personnel these teams have on the field most often. And I think we can learn a lot about teams, and and I think some of it has to do with the teams they're facing at the same time. You get identities in divisions and things like that. So uh, that'll be a fun uh, bit of information to jump in on on today's program and some news about uh, a Denver Bronco potential addition at quarterback not named Aaron Rodgers this time at BD Peacock is where you can find me on Twitter. Always feel free to drop us a question even prior to our Twitter Tuesdays. Matt, you can find at Williamson NFL. Matt, what do you think? Deshaun Watson as a Denver Bronco, according to a current Bronco and a former Texan teammate of Deshaun Watson, Kareem Jackson. Deshaun said he wants to be a Denver Bronco. We already know that Deshaun Watson had wanted out of Houston that has become much more difficult and we don't know if he'll play anywhere this year so this might be a move for 2022 maybe a trade trade deadline move maybe something later in the summer when his situation gets figured out Um, Ian Rappaport adding a little bit that said uh, quarterback Deshaun Watson has been getting recruited by a former teammate and countless players across the NFL and he remains open to several options including the Broncos but I don't believe Denver is quote where he wants to be just one possible spot. So hmm. uh, I would imagine most quarterbacks would look at the Denver Broncos and say, yeah, that's not a bad spot for me to go to. No, I think it's a great spot to go to. I mean, the downside is Patty Mahomes is in your division and will be for a long time. But other than that, I think it'd be a great location. You know, Denver was rumored to be kicking the tires on Sam Darnold way back when. The, the Rodgers rumors have been flying like crazy since draft day. And I do think they're probably somewhat real. They settled on Teddy Bridgewater, but that's certainly not enough to say, boy, we're done or we're not going to make a move. They passed on quarterbacks in in the draft. I mean, it's made you think every step of the way, even when they drafted Sertain, that, man, they don't need a corner. Are are they holding out? Are they just using that as a chip to get the the quarterback eventually? And we all linked them with Rodgers, of course, because on draft day, that was the news. But Watson would be... I'd pay, I mean, Watson's hard to talk about, obviously, because all the things looming on the field, Watson's worth more than Rodgers. I mean, I, I honestly think Mahomes is probably the only quarterback in the league on the field worth more than Deshaun Watson right now. But if you can get him at 70% on the dollar or something like that of his true football value, man, that is hard to pass up. As long as your owner's cool with the situation or you feel confident that um, these issues are behind him or he's innocent of them, I mean, I, I don't know how to comment on that phase of it, of course. Yeah, Deshaun Watson's off-field stuff would have to be completely taken care of, and you wouldn't have to know the result of that before anything like this could happen, which is, I think is why it's going to be a, a long time. And maybe that'll get figured out before the season starts, But uh, and, and he can't really rehab his 
image on the field or anything because I don't think he's going to play for the Texans. Maybe he will because he'll realize that's his only shot for 2021, and we've got to redo this all in 2022 in the offseason there. But obviously the Broncos make a ton of sense, and you're right, looking at age and what they've done on the field so far in their careers, Deshaun Watson, that type of player doesn't become available, and now his price tag might be less than it would have been in January. And so uh, this is a very interesting situation that uh, is not going to go away. And I think the Deshaun Watson conversation is going to ramp up at some point very soon for both trade reasons and his off-field situation that's been yeah. really quiet recently, actually, because of how loud the the lawyers had been in that for a while. And all of a sudden it died down. It makes me think that there's something happening there behind the scenes. Uh, they're, they're, they're maybe figuring out some way to, uh, to end that. But uh, that's, I mean, I just have no idea what to think about the Deshaun Watson situation and, and a timetable to when that could end because there's just so many hurdles that have to be crossed before he could be playing football for another team, let alone the team he's currently on. Absolutely. And I just keep thinking about what the Broncos would look like with him on the field. I mean, I'm just talking on the field. I'm not talking about the locker room. I'm not talking about legal stuff. I'm just talking about lining up him in cleats and shoulder pads and a helmet on Sundays in Denver, they could be really good. I mean, let's say they give up certain and next year's first or certain and picks, you know, whatever the picks are, or just picks. That team's pretty loaded if you put Watson in there or give them lock and certain. And, you know, as long as your roster's not killed this year, let's say it's lock and certain and picks. Okay. Or Teddy and certain and picks. You got corners you can make up for that. I think that might be a top five football team. I mean, probably second in their division, but I might put them right there with the Bills and Browns and, you know, in the AFC hierarchy. Absolutely. Yeah. And and they don't even have to mess with Patrick Sertan, I think. They can they're 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 probably talking future picks with all of this. And, right. And that's right. what makes it even more interesting for them. And um maybe conditional. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's what would have to be with him. Maybe or, you know? and, and some younger players could go and so who knows, maybe maybe it could be someone like that, but I don't think they have to even do that. I think it could be future picks and that's fine, and that's the direction, you know. Um, I mean, someone who's two years away from free agency doesn't really help the Houston Texans anyway. They need draft picks, they need no, draft no. picks and uh they need to continue to, to go in that direction and, and rebuild that thing basically from the ground up. So, um, <clears throat> and David Coley, the Texans head coach cut his off season program short, said they got enough work in enough people showed up during OTAs that they don't need mini camp. Um, that would seem like a bad idea that that's probably a team that needs the most practice of anybody with all the new faces that are there, all the one year free agents they've got. But, I understand you're seeing some injuries around the league. You don't want to put your players in jeopardy either. So that's what's going on with the Houston Texans of those that are around and available to play. And Deshaun Watson not uh, with the team right now, as expected. The Broncos, though, you mentioned the AFC West. And it's not just Patrick Mahomes anymore. They've got a young second-year guy that if he's the real deal with the the Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert, Mm -hmm. I mean... um. That's uh, you've got to get yourself a big time quarterback if you're the Broncos. That that has to be the only personnel goal for the next calendar year, right? Like you have. That's to like have the only your only job. Teddy right. Bridgewater's not going to cut it. Drew yeah. Locke, even if he's you know your wildest dreams, is not going to be you know he's going to be the third best quarterback in the division at best, right? And yeah. so they've got to do something there, and they didn't seem too urgent on it this off season. Maybe next off season is when they could pounce. Maybe it's something that could still happen this summer. That division's crazy, and 
it's not what I planned on talking about, but I wonder is Gruden over there losing his mind too? Like, boy, I like Derek Carr, but he's not special enough for my division. Actually, here's an interesting one that I bookmarked a while back that uh, from Warren Sharp, who we both love to read. Yeah, he's, he's a very smart guy at Sharp Football on Twitter. Most losses in a quarterback's first seven years since the NFL moved to a 16-game season schedule in 1978. So four, in the last 40 or so years, wow. the most losses in a quarterback's first seven years, number two, David Carr, 56 losses. Number one, Derek Carr, 63 losses. Wow. <laughs> it's a car wreck. <laughs> and I mean, speaking of the Texans, that David Carr didn't have a shot, man. With that expansion team, that was that right. Was What's funny is they're brothers, but they're such different situations. You know, like Houston picks hit, you know, day, the older one first overall is all in. We're going to build around him and just never does, you know, and he gets destroyed. He never had a chance to succeed. I'm sure some of it was because he could have been a better player too. I'd have to go back and study him. But Derek, you know, it's kind of like having the most, it's like Crash Davis. It's like having the most home runs in the minor leagues. Like you're pretty good, mm -hmm. you know, to keep your job to rack up those losses or you'd have got benched, but you're not having one. You're not tearing the, the league apart either, you know? And while we're going to make Raiders fans mad, uh, how about this one from, from Jason, who's was mad about your offensive tackles list. He said, no Colton Miller on the list and not even an honorable mention McGlinchey in the top 25. What a joke. Do you care to defend your stance on Colton? Uh, Miller, Miller was close. Uh, he, there was a lot of good tackles. I mean, I was a little surprised with the depth of the tackles. If it had been 30, he'd have been on there. Um, I'd like to see another year. I mean, maybe that I'll be honest, that maybe the beginning of Colton Miller's career left a little bit of a bad taste mm -hmm. in my mouth. He was really good last year, though. But I, I mentioned it on that show. Linemen are going to be the flashes in the pan or the young guys that just bursted on the scene. I'm going to be a little prejudiced against compared to other positions because I think that's a, a durability, reliability, year after year type of position that. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I bet he'll be on it next year. Yeah, I, I Miller deserved to be mentioned in the list. Yeah. Where he belonged on the list, I don't know. You can make a good argument from anybody from 15 to 25 and 30 and some guys that weren't on the list. We'll check in next year if he puts it, it continues in, in the trajectory he's going. He'll definitely be on the list next year. Yeah, and they just paid him, and he's worth it, and he's a good young player ascending, and even coming out of college, that's what they – no one thought he was going to be a finished product. He's you know, a tall, athletic guy that needed some work. All right, let's check in on the growing Matt Williamson spreadsheet this offseason. Defensive personnel by team coming up. Do you know 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really that surprising the game is rigged against you? You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You don't stand a chance. Introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house. It's head-to-head -head fantasy matchups. You name the stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. You're in control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be, one-on-one. -on -one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on, sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back 
on your first play. A 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to StatHero.com slash LockedOn. That's StatHero.com slash LockedOn. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Convenient self-service at RockAuto.com where you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, jumper cables, even new carpet for your classic cars, your daily driver. Get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer, and best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers alike. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, Matt, you can preface this spreadsheet you got here. What is this list? What exactly are we looking at here? What can we learn by uh, personnel groupings for defenses in 2020? Yeah, there's four categories. Base, which is... You know, a basic seven-man front, a four-three or three-four, whatever you play. Four defensive backs on the field. Nickel, five defensive backs on the field. Dime, six defensive backs on the field. And then, if you add those all up, they don't always add up to a hundred percent. So there's a unaccounted for tab that I'll get to here in a minute. And I just wanted to mention the teams that were at the top and bottom of the list in each of those, and maybe that can get in the heads of some of these favorite fan bases and say, you know, and ask why, you know? So I sorted this thing, first of all, by base and Jacksonville was in their base defense more than any team in the league. The the league average was 24%. They were basically at 40%. Seattle always leads the league in this category. I mean, think about all the snaps Mm -hmm. that, you know, KJ Wright and Wagner and those guys have played their second And that's not even calling Jamal Adams a linebacker. So they always play with a high percentage of big people. I mean, that's that's just a a Pete Carroll staple. Um, Some of the other ones that were high on this list in percentage of base, Houston at 36, Arizona, Minnesota, they're always high on the list too. They have good linebackers and they want to keep them on the field. Tampa, similar situation. Chicago, Washington, Pittsburgh, and San Francisco. And I was sitting there thinking, going, why are Jacksonville and Houston so high on this list? Seattle always is. And I think the logic is... Derrick Henry, right? I was thinking that. And I was also thinking, they're losing all the time. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Yeah, the second half of games, they're defending the other team's run. Against, you know, as the clock wears down on them. You know, so that added up. I kind of just thought about that now. So... That's the kind of thing that just wanted to get people's, you know, minds working a little bit. Like, why was my team in base so much? And I actually just wrote an article for Steelers.com about this. Well, you know, I'm not going to harp on that, but Bush was out, so they didn't have linebackers on the field as much. You know, things like that. I mean, they're logical. So the teams that were in base the least, I mean, remember, 24% is league average. New Orleans was only in base 9.3%. Buffalo was only in 6.3%. And Carolina and New England were only in their base defense 4.6% of the time. 
I mean, that doesn't leave much. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like you have defensive backs on the field all the time. It's interesting because we see a lot of similarities inside of the division. You mentioned Seattle and San Francisco a lot of time in base. And so San Francisco has to defend Seattle. Seattle runs the ball a lot. San Francisco runs the ball a lot. So they're defending each other quite often, and and they build a team around that. And then, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan's offense is is a lot of – you know, positionless football where he's got a fullback mm-hmm. on the field, he uses a fullback more than anybody, but a lot of motion and everybody can catch the ball. So he's throwing and passing out of a base set more often, trying to find matchups there and get your linebacker on the field. So he wants you to be in base because he wants to utilize that and, and play against Absolutely. that. So it's really interesting. You see teams play against each other. You see a couple, couple teams like the, uh, the Texans and Jaguars there that are in base a lot for, for multiple reasons. And a lot of the, uh, AFC North teams, Pittsburgh, I mean, Arizona, another AFC or NFC West team, too, because they're defending each other. So you see a lot of similarities in the division teams building to beat each other in the division. And so I I find that fascinating. And you look at the AFC East with Buffalo and New England being in base the least amount of time. Yeah, right, right, right. And, And, you know, a lot of it is divisional. Like if you're Houston and Jacksonville, you're playing against Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor, you know, and you're bad, so you're losing late. AFC North, if you're the Bengals or Steelers, you're playing against the Browns and Ravens for four out of your 16 games last year. I mean, they're, they're heavy personnel grouping teams. So um, you want to move on to nickel here? I know we don't have tons of time, so I'm going to kind of just buzz through these and maybe some different fan bases can tweet us and, you know, some logic behind why. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever okay. uh, whatever floats your boat here with this list. This is your list, so you lead the way. I'll take it over. So, nickel. This might surprise people. I mean, the league plays nickel at like 59% of the snaps. So, when a slot corner is a starter, folks. You know, like, I'm just trying to back up the numbers with what people might, you know probably know for the most part, but that's the percentages defenses are on the field across the league. I mentioned the Bills were only in base 6.3% of the time. They were in nickel (laughs) 90.8. I mean, like basically every snap, they were in nickel no matter what. And I'm just looking at Buffalo here too. They were only in dime 2% of the time. So they lived in nickel no matter what you threw at them. I mean, part of that is because they have really athletic linebackers. Uh, Those safeties are do-it-all types. They can play some corner if they need be. They can play some linebacker if need be. So... I think it's a real plus when you can stay in a personnel grouping a a high percentage of the time and still be successful. So people aren't manipulating you kind of like the Shanahan manipulation that you mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Nickel is the new base and you're trying to find ways to match up and we're seeing more safeties on the field and hybrid corners, hybrid safeties, hybrid linebackers and that type of thing. And so teams are really trying to figure out, okay, how can I have my best cover guys on the field have a nickel look but also defend the run? I think that is what every single team is trying to do. And I think, what, there's only three or four teams in the entire league that played nickel less than 50% of the time. Yeah, right. I mean, so you're seeing it all the time. The other leaders in nickel percentage are the Jets, the Colts, Atlanta, Vegas, and Dallas. And what's interesting to me about that group is unlike Buffalo, none of them were at the bottom of the league in base percentage. So you can figure out, you know, what's left. You know what I mean? So just think about that with your favorite team as well. The teams that played um, nickel the least, 
And again, these aren't that big of numbers. You know, there aren't that small of numbers. Miami's at 47.6. New England's at 46.7. And so New England, you know, we're going to bring them up here in a minute. They're the in the low group in base and in nickel. I mean, they're the only team that can say that. Yeah, the, the Patriots are an outlier. We're going to have to get to uh, this yeah. fourth category, the unaccounted, in a bit because I'm fascinated by why that number is what it is for uh, some it's teams amazing. in the league. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of the others that have played nickel a very small amount of time, Houston, Kansas City, the Steelers, Green Bay. And uh, I think Green Bay just doesn't value the linebacker position. The Steelers lost Bush and were kind of scrambling there, kind of like after they lost Shazier. So there's a lot of reasons for that. I think some of these teams would prefer to play nickel more and got forced out of it. So. Let's move on to dime. Yeah, let's move I on to dime in just one second. I just want to yeah. draw a couple of lines here with base versus nickel. And so nickel is the new base defense. We should probably start yes. calling base some sort of a jumbo package, not quite goal line, but it's a it's a big man's package. Like the, the nickel. It's one corner. of my biggest pet peeves. I don't yeah. know why I I I try not to bring it up, but it makes me crazy. <laughs> why? why is it base? Yeah, the, the nickel corner is on the field twice as often <laughs> as the nose tackle, the zero technique, right? <laughs> right, so, right. Um, I think that's a good way to look at it. And even these teams that weren't in nickel a lot, they were just in dime more. They actually had more defensive backs on yes. the field. That's why their number of nickel is a little bit lower because they had more than five nickel uh, defensive backs on the field. We'll get to the dime numbers, who was in a dime defense the most, and the fourth unaccounted for category which is very interesting, and one team stands out uh, quite a bit when it comes to defensive personnel groupings. That coming up next. Folks, I want to take a minute here to tell you guys about Built Bar. They've been a really great sponsor and ally here to the entire Locked On Network and to my family as well. My son's 14. He's really into lifting weights now and working out. He just crushes Built Bars as soon as they pretty much walk in the door. Um, my wife is kind of a chocolate connoisseur and she's real picky about the you know in these bars some of the chocolate you get on the outside is really waxy not the case at all with built bar all these bars have a little bit different qualifications but let's just pick one out of the air here peanut butter has 19 grams of protein 180 calories only five grams of sugars and five grams of net carbs um how about cookies and cream only has 17 grams of protein only 130 calories four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs, and that's what you get with all these, which is unbelievable. So go to BuiltBar.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, all one word, and you get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Real quick, Matt, before we move on with the rest of this, where did this information come from? Because back in my days when I was doing some charting and some stuff for Pro Football Focus, it almost gives me PTSD looking at this because I, player participation is one of the first things you do at Pro Football Focus, and it takes, no joke, 20 hours to do one game. You're you're, oh, you're saying where a player lined up, who's on the field, were they you know, a four-eye technique, were they five technique, uh, were they zero technique? And it's every single player on the field, every single play. So to do that for both sides of the ball for an entire game is insane. It's maddening. So I, I felt really lucky that I started charting routes instead uh, after a while because player personnel is not fun. And there is an insane amount of hours that goes into all of these things. So I just wondering if you got these from Pro Football Focus or where did you get these defensive personnel groupings? Because I'm sure there's probably, depending on who you ask, they might they might call dime or nickel differently or the unaccounted for category that we'll find out linebacker. about. Yeah. You know, what are we counting them as? Yes. Right. Yeah. It, there, there are some blurriness, you know, maybe a, 
a three, four outside linebacker moves off the ball, you know, we count him a lineman or a linebacker mm-hmm. as a safety, a, you know, really a linebacker. I mean, so there is a little bit of blurriness, but I do think there's, it does tell you what these teams are trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot easier to find offensive personnel groupings than it is defensive. And I had to reach out to the practice squad and the Twitter followers for help on this. And a couple people pointed me in a direction and then I found a source that I can't reveal, top secret, that gave me these exact numbers. Okay, and I like it. Th- you know, all the different people that pointed me in directions, they all added up. So I, I found them trustworthy enough that I can, you know, at least had a couple people sending me different directions that all had the same numbers in the end. But what, what they didn't have was, and we'll get to that unaccounted number, I kind of did that on my own. I mean, I, I did the base nickel dime, and then I realized none of these teams add up to 100%. And some of them are really far off. So I had to c- create my own unaccounted for, you know, t- um, the, uh, column there. And again, we'll get to that in a minute. But let's talk dime. Dime defenses. Yeah. Who is in dime the most? So the league average in dime is only 14%. And I'm sure that's going up. I mean, I bet year after year that's going up. 14%. I mean, it's still a fair amount of six defensive backs on the field, usually three safeties and three corners. Um, Green Bay, they're in dime just under half the game, 50% of the time. I mean, maybe some of that is, you know, our logic before of, well, they were winning a lot in the fourth quarter and people were throwing against them, you know, because Kansas City's third on that list too. So maybe if you're a good team, you're going to be in dime a little more late in games, garbage time, but still that's what they've been wanting to do for a long time. You know, they want versatile safeties. They keep drafting defensive backs because they play a lot of them. Um, So here's the other leaders, Green Bay, Carolina, Kansas City, who I mentioned, New England, who we kind of teased before, is still at 29.4%, despite being at the bottom of the league in both base and nickel. You'd think that'd be blow off the doors and dime, but they're, they're amongst the leaders, but they're not, you know, still in an extreme level, new Orleans, Tennessee, and the Rams are also high dime defense teams. And usually, I mean, again, these are some of the better teams playing with leads that makes some sense, but um, there's also teams that really don't believe in it. Like, I don't know. We've talked about this enough, but some defenses are either a nickel or a dime. And when you look at the teams at the bottom of the dime groupings, that shows up a little bit because Atlanta played dime 0.1%. So is that one snap, two snaps? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. That's like yeah. a prevent at the end of a game one time or something. Right, right. Or they threw or you know, a, cor- a corner, forgot to come off the field, and there was a substitution error or something. You know I mean? So under 1% was Atlanta, Indy, Arizona, and Tampa. And Indy and Atlanta were both amongst the leaders in nickel, as were the Jets, as were Buffalo, as were Vegas, all of teams that were very low in dime. So the lowest in dime in Atlanta was the lowest, then Indy, Arizona, Tampa, Jets, Minnesota, Washington, Buffalo, San Fran, Jacksonville, Cleveland, Vegas. And most of those teams are around 2% or less, you know? So there's a lot of those teams I just mentioned that you are not going to see dime from. That's really interesting. So some yeah, teams just don't believe in it. They just, you know, we'll go nickel. Not doing we're it. Defending the pass, we'll go nickel. We're good. Yeah. And you know, example, your Niners, 
well, they have a guy like Warner who, well, we don't want to take him off the field. Or, you know, some of these teams have two really good linebackers, Tampa Bay. To get to dime, six defensive backs, you probably only have one linebacker on the field. I don't want to take White or Levante David off the field. Right. Or uh, the opposite side of that, when you see a team like the New Orleans Saints who play a lot of dime, you know, they, they just, you know, they have uh, Malcolm Jenkins and Chauncey Gardner Johnson, and they're just using those guys in so many different ways. And they're quasi linebackers at time lined up, lined up as safeties, lined up as a slot corner. They can do a lot of things for you. So a, a very positionless sort of defense, too. So mm-hmm. you can really right. learn a lot about uh, the schemes that, that teams are running there and how they look at things. New England Patriots, obviously, a very versatile scheme. And that's the the outlier in all of this is the New England Patriots. Right. And then we'll get to these on the count too in one second. I'm really curious, a team like Arizona next year, if they, you know, they drafted, they have Buda Baker, they drafted extremely versatile linebackers in the, in the first round the last two years. What kind of groupings will they be living in? You know, you assume you don't want to take Zayvon Collins and Simmons off the field. Well, it's interesting because I talked about that NFC West earlier and how much they're in base. Yeah. And the Cardinals were one of the top teams in base defense and one of the lowest in dime defense. So I think we can draw a conclusion there that they're trying to have a base or a nickel defense that can be a dime that everybody on the field can cover. And I think that's smart. I think that's the way they should do things as long as they got guys who can do that and play linebacker and cover at the same time. Uh, and it would seem that, that that's what direction they're going because they need to defend the run against too many teams and they still have to be able to cover. So they need to be able to do that in base and nickel and why they're, because they're not in dime that often. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's really interesting philosophically team building wise, defensive coordinator wise, what they want to do. And in some cases it, you get forced into it because a key guy gets injured and you're just grabbing anything you can to get, you know, whatever on the field, you know, week to week, just because you're 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 so hurting. So you want to get to this last column here, the unaccounted for. Yeah, one more really quick though that just yeah. stands out because of how often they were in dime, more than anybody. Almost fifty percent of their snaps in dime for Green Bay's defense, That's and a ton. by far the lowest in nickel, twenty-seven point one percent. So was that just them making up for bad coverage? guys because corner was there you know the big Achilles heel for that defense they're like well look we can't trust anybody except for Jair Alexander to cover one-on-one you know Amos is good at safety but um we just throw a bunch of DBs on the field and hope that they can cover as a group is like was that what was going on in Green Bay I guess I mean historically and and just really just look at their draft history they kind of ignore linebacker as much as any team in the league and just don't want to put resources in linebackers. You know, they, they're paying the quote Smith brothers and Kenny Clark, and they're really investing heavy in the secondary, but the middle of their defense, they don't really care about. So I guess they did. Use, why put linebackers out there that they aren't good? I was trying to think like their defense didn't have that uh, Malcolm Jenkins, Chauncey Gardner, Johnson, Buda no. Baker, Tyron Matthew type, but I guess Darnell Savage kind of started to do some of those things. I mentioned Adrian Amos, who's a really good, versatile safety there. Mm-hmm. Um, they added a corner in the draft in Eric Stokes. Kevin King had a target on his back quite often. Um, Shannon Sullivan, sort of a nickel corner. Josh Jackson. So they did have a lot of guys filtering through, but I didn't really think of them as that team that had that really hybrid safety linebacker corner type player. No. I guess you could put Savage into that a little bit, but uh, I didn't picture But he's definitely a defensive team. back. Right. You know, but he still would count, you know, that, He's not Dion Buchanan or Mark Barron when they came out of school, yes. like safety that's a linebacker. Absolutely, yeah. 
So again, unaccounted was me on my own here because I realized all these numbers don't add up to hundred percent. So I'm right. like, well, then there's What's something left here to be desired. Right. Who else is left? And so I assume that the unaccounted snaps are mostly going to be when there's seven defensive backs on the field, which was unheard of 10 years ago or even maybe five years ago. But don't also forget that once in a while, every team has to put out heavy goal line defense, you know, a 4-4 or get some corners off the field. So everyone is going to line up to some degree with big, heavy personnel. Not everyone's going to play with seven defensive backs. So on average... Goal line's not nothing. Goal line's a pretty decent chunk, which which could account for most of these teams' numbers I'm seeing here. That's what I think so, too, because the league average is 3.2%. My hunch is two and a half percent of those are all goal line situations, heavy personnel, you know, those type of deals where I'm getting a corner off the field, maybe two corners off the field. So there's a couple teams that barely at all ran unaccounted for. You know, all these teams were under one percent. The Jets, the Niners, the Chargers, Indy, Buffalo, Cleveland. So all those teams were in base nickel dime. But basically every snap, 99% of their snaps came in those three formations for those, what, six teams or so. So the other end's really interesting, though, because some of them are pretty big numbers. In Philly, was just under 6% of unaccounted for snaps. I mean, they weren't in goal line that often. So they were either, yeah, really big, heavy personnel, or they had more than six DBs on the field. Yeah, yeah. And the Giants were at 6.4, big numbers. Arizona, who I kind of mentioned before, 9.6. You know, they're not running four fours out there time and time again. I was shocked, as close as I am to the Steelers, they're second in the league at 11.7%. And a lot of it's because um, they had two slot corners they liked a lot to go with their starters. And so they played, a, a, when I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, they, they had seven defensive backs on the field a fair amount, but I was shocked they were second. And what blows me away, the most, the strangest number on this whole spreadsheet we saved for last is we kind of teased it earlier, is New England. You know, New England was at the bottom of the league in base, 4.6%, bottom of the league in nickel, 46.7%. Near the top of the league in dime, but not first. But 19.3% of their snaps are unaccounted for. So I'm, well, I'm guessing 18% of the snaps are, or so, give or take, you know, ballpark. They had seven defensive backs on the field. That's pretty amazing. I mean, they are so yeah. far and away the outlier in all of this. They have a ton of DBs on the field over half the time, uh, either six or seven yeah. DBs on the field. That's that's pretty crazy. And uh, when you take – and New England's skewing this average 3.2 unaccounted Big for time. number. Big so, time. you know, it's more yeah. like two. So most teams are averaging around, you know, 2% unaccounted for plays where they're not in base, nickel, or dime. And the Patriots are at 19.3. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and they've been doing this for a while. You know, like that's one of the reasons that they have – Usually their defensive tackles are the big Malcolm Brown, 320-pound type guys, and their linebackers are high tower, also very heavy. You know, their front seven players aren't generally the swiftest of foot, and they they always draft so high historically that they don't get great, great edge defenders. They don't get a Bosa brother in the top five because they're not picking there. So they put a ton of defensive backs on the field, 
and you know have those big guys eat up blocks so they don't get pushed around too much in the running game. So th- that's what they've been doing lately, and you know, put some pretty good defenses together. Obviously, you know what's interesting though. Now that I look at it, I, the outliers weren't good teams for the most part. The Patriots had their worst season in twenty years. They were you know under five hundred. The Houston mm-hmm. Texans obviously were bad. The Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars obviously were bad. Buffalo was really good. They were one of the big outliers here, so I guess not 100%. But um, They're such a strict nickel team. Yeah. So just, they're, they're just designed to do that perfectly. All nickel all the time. Um, yeah. The 49ers stand out with, with base. Seattle stands out with base, but they were good. They were a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, there's not any sweeping generalizations, but for the most part, the teams that were outliers, you know, not great. Not great, but you see some that actually have something that they're doing a lot that works for them, too. Yeah, and again, if you're listening and you're a Jets are a bad example because they have a new coaching staff, um, any other team. I mean, if you're a Bears fan or whatever, and I mentioned your team to be strong in any of the one areas or not, I bet you have an explanation. And, you know, obviously we could go through all 32 teams and I could think about, well, that's because their linebackers are good and they had an injury at safety. So they, you know, turned this guy into a safety or whatever, you know. Um, you know, defensive line was beat up with injuries or it's really poor or they were losing a lot or they were winning a lot. But I thought it was just an inter- interesting show that we can, each fan base could kind of listen to it and go, boy, I didn't really, kind of like happened to my Steelers. Like I was shocked that the Steelers had seven defensive backs on the field. Yeah. As much as I thought, you know, I mean, I knew there was a higher percentage than normal, but I didn't think they'd be second. Well, you know, that's odd because Steelers had a lot of base, so they were both extremes, right? So they had a lot of base, and then they had a lot of a lot of DBs on the field, and then very low on the nickel. So that's last note. And again, I always tie it back to the Steelers. But when remember when Ryan Shazier tragically got hurt, of course, Mm -hmm. the year or so after, until they traded for Bush. They had a real problem because when I would do this every year, they would be amongst the league leaders in base, at the bottom of the league in nickel, but amongst the league leaders in dime. So what that told me was they were getting manipulated. You know what I mean? Like we, if they didn't have a Bush and every down linebacker, a Shazier. So that's why they trade up for Bush. So that, because when they were in dime, teams were running on them when they were in base teams were throwing on them. you were getting John Bostick on Keenan Allen, you know, things like that Right. And in, so, in down and distance situations where they thought yep. a team could pass, they couldn't trust their linebackers to cover. So they had to put DBs on the field. Right. Right. They were too heavy one way or the other, you know, like I mentioned, the bills can just stay in nickel and no matter what you do to me on first and 10 or third and eight or third and one, I'm going to keep the same guys on the field. That's generally the better approach. All right, this conversation went a little bit longer than I thought. This yeah, is yeah. this is a fun thing to get into, and I love nerding out on, on some of these things, so I'm glad you brought out your spreadsheet today on defensive personnel by team. If we didn't cover your team enough or you have some questions about it, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at BD Peacock or Matt at Williamson NFL. Get your Twitter Tuesday questions in early for next week, and we'll be back tomorrow right here, Peacock and Williamson.